What's Up U Alberta. My name is Elliot Tanti, and I am the host of What's Up U Alberta, found here on 88.5 FM CJSR in the beautiful Edmonton and on iTunes via podcast. Got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, our guest is going to be Blue Knox. She is a political science student here at the University of Alberta who, instead of taking regular classes this year, decided to, well, spend nine months abroad, essentially. Um, she spent the first three months of the school year in Washington, D.C., doing an internship there, then came home for the holidays and headed right back out to France and did a study abroad program in France. So she's going to talk about what was, I'm sure, a remarkable experience, as well as uh, how students can take full advantage of all the opportunities and programs that the University of Alberta has to offer. So I'm very much, very much looking forward to talking to her. Just one quick thing before we get started, guys, if you want any information on our guests, any of the programs that we're talking about or events, Check us out on our website. That's uwalberta.wordpress.com. That's uwalberta.wordpress.com. All right. Well, let's get started. A quick Google search of my guest today yields some interesting results. Certainly proof that Blue Knox isn't your typical University of Alberta student, whether it be her role in the student online newspaper, The Wanderer, the time she spent in the last year's provincial election as an NDP candidate, or her seemingly endless jaunts to locales featuring road races and endurance tests. <laughs> oh, and did I mention, all while taking a full course load at school and supporting herself by working. Well, needless to say, Blue has a motivational quality that put most go-getters to shame. This year, however, was different. Instead of the traditional school year, Blue spent the school year abroad, first working as an intern through the Washington Institute in Washington, D.C., and then studying abroad in France from January to April. Blue is now home and sharing her experiences with friends, family, and on June the 5th, as NextGen Edmonton presents Pecha Kucha Night. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. How are you? I'm really, really good. How are you? Good. Welcome home. Thank you. You've recovered from the jet lag? Yeah, it's taken about uh, two weeks now that I've been home, and I've finally uh, got my feet under me. Well, I wanted to ask you, it's been a heck of a year for you. How has it been trans- back, transitioning back into Edmonton life? Well, unless you uh, experience it, it's really hard to um, to describe, but uh, reverse culture shock is also always really difficult. I've had incredible opportunities to go abroad three times in my degree now, and uh, this time coming home from France has been really, really difficult, but I have some really amazing supportive friends and family, so now that we're at the two-week mark, I feel like I've got a handle on things. For sure. I want to get into talking about France, but there was a trip that you took before France. Um, from September to December, you were in Washington, as I mentioned off the top. Yeah, I was at the Washington Center. It the was Washington incredible. Center. So you're working for an NGO? Well, the Washington Center is an incredible program, and it's one of those things, just like any other experience in university, every experience is what you make of it. So there were around 400 students from around the world who came to Washington, D.C. to be at this particular center, and we all had our own um, full-time jobs. Myself, I was working in the not-for-profit sector, and I was working with a uh, not-for-profit called Leadership Africa USA that does leadership skills training for youth in post-conflict sub-Saharan African nations, but they also do a lot of work with um, African and diaspora community in um, Washington and in the United States. Um, 
And so I, I got to do amazing things like working with African ambassadors in D.C. I had some pretty crazy experiences translating meetings and uh, attending incredible conferences with my job. And then within the Washington Center, I was also in the program International Relations. So I had uh, peers who I went to um, various talks with throughout the week. Um, so every week we would see one speaker. For example, we saw the um, second largest running sergeant at arms uh, for the U.S. House of Representatives come in with his mentee, who is a decorated FBI officer, and they spoke to us about you know what it's like having a mentor-mentee relationship and how to navigate those waters. Or particularly for us, we had people come in and talk about things like drones and I actually can't talk about what <laughs> positions they held, which sounds very strange. But um, on top of that, we also um, all took a course. So uh, once a week, I took a course in uh, human rights, international human rights law. And we had an incredible professor who'd worked on things like the Rwanda uh, war tribunals in Africa. And um, we got some pretty incredible perspectives for um, human rights law in that sense. So it was a pretty jam-packed semester because I was working full-time at my internship, doing the program work, you know, going out and about and trying to experience as much uh, as much of the eastern seaboard as I possibly could and doing my uh, coursework as well. So it's quite a diverse experience you mm-hmm. had. You were part of a number of different projects, even just what you listed there. Yeah. What did you? What was the defining moment for you, or what was the most powerful experience you had while you were in Washington? Oh, oh that's <laughs> I don't know how to pick just one. There, mm-hmm. like there were um, personal experiences that were really incredible. There were professional experiences, and there were educational um, experiences that were amazing. For personal, I will never forget for the rest of my life. Um, I've I've had this weird dream since I was a kid of going to see the Red Sox. Hmm. And so I managed to make a trip up to Boston with some of the ladies actually from here at the U of A's Network of Empowered Women. Okay. I met a group from the um, Alberta School of Business. We met in Boston and we went to the Harvard Undergraduate Women in Business Conference, which was unbelievable. Got to hear some amazing female um, CEOs and various leaders in the world. And it was life-changing to say the least but when on the little side trip while we were in boston we went to fenway park for the first game of the mlb playoffs oh, and i fun. remember sitting in the grandstands in fenway park and you know the uh, uh star-spangled banner starts up and you can't help but get a little bit emotional because it's so amazing but you know experiences like that it was amazing to have so many incredible um you know, landmarks around you every day to be surrounded by such giants, political giants, you know, community giants, people who've done such incredible things, not just for Washington, but for the East Coast and for D.C. and for the world. So so obviously, as I mentioned, the diverse experience, you Mm -hmm. mentioned a a personal experience, school experience, work experience. Mm -hmm. How much of this is also just getting to network and meet different people? It is almost as much the the program structure as it is, you know, going out and making the program your own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I we had amazing jobs and uh, programs and classes, but on top of it, you meet these amazing students from around the world. And just being surrounded by such a diverse group of people, you learn so much because they have such different experiences from your, yourself, you know. They've seen different governments, they've seen different parts of the world, and just, you know, being different from you, you can learn from them. 
So, um, you know, on top of the networking with my peers at the Washington Centre, with my job, I was very fortunate because I got to meet incredible politicians and, you know, I would uh, sneak away from some of my um, program work so that I could attend special events with mm-hmm. my supervisors who ended up being like mentors to me. So. so it sounds almost, can you describe it as life-changing then? 100%. And yeah. just in three months. Yeah. Uh, only only three months. I can't believe it. Yeah. So can you go into a little bit more detail about the work that you were doing with the NGO? So my day-to-day with Leadership Africa USA was so diverse. I, you know, I would wake up in the morning and I would have no idea what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'd show up at the office. I would usually go in early and leave late because I loved it so much. I wanted to get as much of it as possible. So, right. you know, one day I might be writing a newsletter and stuffing envelopes, which some people would think isn't really exciting, but I had amazing supervisors and I loved what I was doing. So, you know, I was super keen to be stuffing envelopes, but at the same time, you know, being told, okay, we have to go visit this ambassador and talk through this agreement, or we need to work with the United States Department of Agriculture, or let's meet this partner. And, you know, if you work hard enough and, you know, my supervisors, I was very lucky. They really trusted me. So I was able to really take ownership of the experience. And, you know, after a certain amount of trust and respect is built between yourself and your supervisors, um, you end up being able to do even more things than you imagined at the beginning of the program. So they ended up letting me represent them at various um, events in D.C. So, yeah. Sounds like fun. As a political science student, you have a general idea of Canadian politics. But America is a starkly different place. <laughs> was Washington... <laughs> I, I have to ask, like, was Washington as cutthroat as House of Cards suggests? Yes. <laughs> yes. Even, even though we, we weren't... You know, none of us are senators. None of, none of us are in the House of Representatives. We're not presidents. We could be future presidents. I won't speak too soon about mm-hmm. that. But, you know, everyone was just so keen to be there. And Washington is so fast-paced, you know. Like, I remember having a party with all these poli-sci students. The exciting thing about going to the Washington Center is that you're going with a bunch of people who genuinely want to be there. You know, it's not like, you know, sometimes when you sign up in classes, you're not sure if you want to be there, you're not too committed, but everybody is going out of their way to meet in D.C., coming from all corners of the world, Gibraltar, India, amazing places. And everyone is so keen and working. Most people hustled, you know, it was amazing. But, um, you know, I remember having a party for the government shutdown, which was (laughs) something I can't imagine. That's right. You were there during the shutdown, which was very strange for some people. I was lucky because I work with a not for profit. Well, I I consider myself lucky. So I I kept working, but a lot of people couldn't work. So they took on extra coursework, which was very strange to imagine that your, your government shuts down. There was a lot of students who were like, I don't I don't understand. How does your country do this? Yeah. Well, I wonder, like I had forgotten that you were there during the shutdown and there's a lot of political gambling going on back and forth. Were you in the middle of that? Were you sort of standing in the middle and seeing the missiles flying overhead? Or No, what I would see is the interns working with those people coming home and just completely overwhelmed. Couldn't believe, you know, the sort of things that they'd done during their day. But, you know, everyone had a unique experience because D.C. might be a small town and it is. it almost has a small town feel in your work because everyone knows everyone. So you always need to be careful of how you're representing yourself. But that's really how anything works in life. You know, whether you have a job, you know, where you're working with a tiny firm or you're working with a huge international corporation, you need to be careful of how you represent yourself and how you're representing your organization. But yeah, it was uh, interesting to be in the thick of things and to, to see everyone kind of scrambling in DC, you know, it affects everything. It really affected every um, aspect of life in DC because everything slows to a halt, you know, it, DC Metro is famous not only for its um, 
spotty service, <laughs> but um, also for being packed first thing in the morning and at night. And then during the government shutdown, it was like eerily silent in D.C., yeah. Turns almost into a ghost town. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing when it snows. And it, and I'm, by snow, I don't mean like Edmonton snow. I mean like there were like five flakes in the sky. The president declared, you know, no work for the day. And then there was sun at 1 p.m. And I was like, I don't understand. We don't call a snow day unless there are three feet of snow. So it certainly is a different experience. Yeah, it was amazing. When you look back, you know, maybe at the end of your university career in 10 years, what would this experience in Washington mean to you, do you think? It was really the first time in my life that I've had the opportunity to be on the same playing field as my peers. Um, being in university and working for jobs, you don't really um, have the opportunity to be as involved on campus as you'd like to be. Right. And the thing with being in D.C. is that all these students, we were staying in the same residence, regardless of your socioeconomic background, you know, what country you're from or what your goal is. We're all staying in these residencies. We're placed in jobs and then it's kind of like the starting guns go off and you make the best of it and it was amazing so to see that I could um, for lack of a better phrase to see that I could really compete you know that I was on par with my peers was an amazing feeling you know because when you're uh, working till 1 a.m. at a restaurant and then you've got a 9 a.m. exam it's a little bit hard to see where you're at you know definitely definitely well it sounds like an amazing experience and like I had access to things that I never thought I would. You know, like what? It opened my eyes to possibilities that I, I had never seen before. Going to the Harvard Undergraduate Women in Business Conference. You know, I had been the business editor of the Wanderer for the summer, and I released an amazing project. Well, along with my incredible team at the Wanderer, we did the Edmonton's Top 100 Women in Business project. That came out in December, so I was working on that while I was in DC mm-hmm. via correspondence. My team was absolutely amazing, um, but I went to this conference and. It had never occurred to me I could I could run a company. I could go into business. This mm-hmm. is the sort of thing that I am capable of doing. You've mentioned this this conference twice. Obviously, it impacted you greatly. Yeah. How how else aside from maybe noticing that you had off other career opportunities? How else did it impact you? Well, it 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 changed my life to be surrounded by so many driven and inspiring female leaders. You know, um I, I think I want, no, I don't think, I want to get my MBA mm-hmm. when I'm done my undergrad and I really want to go into business because I've worked with over 15 not-for-profits in the last five years, full-time and part-time, doing everything from delivery of programs to administration to creation of not-for-profits and to realize that, you know what, I'd like to kind of, I, I don't want to just test out these water, I want to dive in, you know, and it was just really inspiring to be encouraged and you know, you, you see encouraging posts on Facebook and online all the time, mm-hmm. but to, to be surrounded with those people is a completely um, different feeling, you know? Well, I'm sure the purpose of the, the conference was to empower women. It yeah. sounds like that's what they did to you. How did it change the way that you see yourself as a woman? Um, I think it gave me a lot of confidence, you know? I, I spent, I, I, I'm just... This is just me personally. I I spend a lot of time second-guessing myself, and it also has to do with D.C., you know? Mm -hmm. It's not just the conference. Um, Like I said, being on par with my peers and not, you know, just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. um, I have confidence in my ability, you know? I am competent. I can lead, you know? I... I don't know everything, but there's power in knowing that as well. You know, in knowing that 
I have, here are my strengths, but here are my weaknesses. This is how I work in a team. To be able to so clearly see that is extremely powerful. What do you think your experience says about students, or what would you say to students that are thinking about sharing in the same type of experience? Maybe not necessarily with the Washington Center, but going abroad and working yeah. through a program delivered because you, you that you would access through yeah. because of the university. Yeah. It's always a risk. So I was terrified. The week before, I sat down with my mom and I was like, I, I don't want to do it. Don't make me go. I don't want to do it. I just, I, I, I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I can handle it. You know, are, are other people going to be better than me? You know, if you spend so much time second guessing yourself, you'll never do anything, you know? So. What did your mom say to you in that moment? Well, she told me I really had no choice, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've been incredibly fortunate to have a mother who's, you know, really a role model. She's incredibly hardworking, intelligent, she's educated, and she's really encouraged me to jump into things. And I, I, I mention educated because that has had a huge influence on me, but there were amazing people in my program, you know, first of their family to go to university and things like that. And I have so much respect for that. You know, everybody has a different path, but, you know, um, back to what you were saying looking at things and thinking to yourself, well, should I go abroad? Should I do this? You know, broadening your horizons is never a bad thing. Taking that leap out of your comfort zone is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. I, I won't lie. Everybody, my friends see my Facebook posts and I always stay so positive and people think that it's all a breeze. But there are nights where I'm crying in my city and I'm like, I can't do this, <laughs> you know. But I think everybody has those moments of weakness, but from them you can find strength, you know. And um, uh, if you're not challenged, if you're not afraid, you aren't growing, you know, it's easy to not be challenged, you know, stay inside your comfort zone. That's okay. I, I pass no judgment on anyone, but you know, if you feel like you won't be happy unless you do this, do whatever it takes to be happy, healthy, and involved in your community, you know? Great. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick music break. Okay. And then we'll be back to talk about the second leg of your journey, France. Hey, I stay spewing ill words smoother than a silkworm Head in the sky while my body just sits there I must confess all I do is stress right now I see where I wanna be and living that lifestyle Rich and famous Getting payments, all seven digit numbers, no yellow pages Living faded, getting wasted, ain't nothing new But damn, it would feel great to be the one buying bruise You gotta try to believe it, close your eyes, start to see it At this time in my mind, all my rhymes are repeated for Generations and generations, my raps Been penetrating and penetrating them ball caps I mean they will be going everywhere like a bad weed Making more booty shake than a quake in the state of Cali Sally got a Mustang, look but I don't touch me, trying to buy a buck chain, but only got a buck change. We getting white boy wasted, so what you doing tonight? We getting white boy wasted, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. We getting white boy wasted, 
So what you doing tonight? We getting white boy wasted. I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. So white boy wasted. I might go ape shit. If I don't make it, then nobody can. That's a little cocky, but I'm still a little sloppy from finishing the rest of everybody's cans. And their bottles to the bottom make them hollow. You only live once, so get drunk is the motto. Are we Kokanee, Jagger overflowing? We got so many rebels, you would swear this was Chicago. King's Cup filling up while I'm sitting in the throne. Roll the dice so that I can get going, going, gone. 2021 with plenty, plenty rum. It ain't cost a pretty penny, cause we bought the cheapest one. This time I'm living penny pinching every day. Me and my roomie Bentley getting groomed in every way. Yesterday, Wednesday, tomorrow sound the same. I ain't advocating drinking, I'm just talking about my day, yeah. We getting white boy wasted. So what you doing tonight? We getting white boy wasted. I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. So right. We getting white boy wasted. So what you doing tonight? My boy ain't on the left and Tanny on the right Crush a tiny can of Heine and we wild for the night Bust around my tool cause I'm flying through the door of every hot naughty house party I desire to Golden eye pierce bras man on the beer pong from high and sink all the balls till the beer's gone You better hear the sign while you're holding up the keg You're doing it wrong if you ain't throwing up the yay We getting white boy wasted so what you doing tonight? We getting white boy wasted. I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. So right. We getting white boy wasted. So what you doing tonight? We getting white boy wasted. I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. So chug a little bit, chug a little bit, chug, chug a little bit, chug a little bit, chug, chug a little bit, chug a little bit, chug, chug a little bit. All right, that was former University of Alberta student Joe Thrills and his song White Boy Wasted off his latest album, Just Another Weekend. So I'm here with Blue Knox. Hola. Bonjour. Just back from <laughs> what is essentially a year. I guess it's nine months. Nine months. The, uh, traveling abroad. Yeah. We Before the music break, we were talking about your time in Washington. So you come back home from your holiday break from Washington uh, after after three months in Washington. For a lot of people, that would have been good enough. <laughs> but not for you, Blue. Nope. Next year, off to France. Did you have any reservations at that point? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always before I've I've left for any trips, I've always had reservations. But um, my mother, bringing her up again, um, told me I wasn't allowed to do DC unless I did France. I see. Which sounds crazy because I'm I'm independent. I'm taking care of all this myself, and it's uh, you know it's a bit of a game of balancing. Um, uh, oh, cost benefit. It's a bit of a cost benefit an- analysis game. You know, like is it worth the financial risk to learn more and do this and no regrets mm-hmm. at the end. I'm, I'm now been home for two weeks and I am completely, you know, there's a piece in my heart staying in France. Right now. But there's a part of you that has to think like, I've just been away for three months. Mm-hmm. Like you hardly even had a chance really to digest your experience in Washington. 
And then you're packing up your things and you're moving. And not this isn't just to another country, the United States, Eastern Seaboard. This is halfway across the world yeah. to France. Yeah, yeah, I lived out of a backpack up until right now. So, <laughs> um, so explain. So you arrive in this new place for the, or you arrive in a new place for the second time mm-hmm. in five months. But this isn't just another country, as I mentioned. It's halfway around the world. Yeah. What was landing in France like right when you got there? Oh, man, I was so overwhelmed. It had been a long flight. I was exhausted. I had to take a train from Charles de Gaulle up to Lille, which is a one-hour train ride. But at the time, I was not confident in my um, French-speaking abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't really function. I was overwhelmed. I was exhausted. I was in Charles de Gaulle. I didn't know what was going on. There are these... Um, military men walking through Charles de Gaulle with these massive guns and on full-on camo. I'm like, I don't know how you're blending in with anything in that camo (laughs) because you're in the middle of Charles de Gaulle airport. Everyone can see you. But I I feel like that's not the point. Anyway, I was really overwhelmed and I remember this one woman running by me and asking me like, est-ce que c'est train? And then I look at her and I'm just completely lost and she's like, oh, English. Sorry. <laughs> and she keeps running and I just, you know, I felt so defeated. I'm like, I just start my experience and my first interaction with someone French, I failed. So you went to France to study? Uh, yes. Yes. And to improve my French. Yeah. Okay. And you had to make your way from the airport to the school. Yeah. Were you living in student housing? I was. I was living in a residence um, just like six blocks away from my university. And I in this residence, there were. It was more like a, an apartment building. There were twenty other students, and most of them were French. There was an Italian and a couple of Germans, and they were amazing. They ended up being like family. And all doing study abroad as well. Uh, no, the the well, the French students were local, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Obviously. other ones were study abroad. It must be nice to have someone to live that, that you're living with that is kind of going through the same hardships and difficulties that you are, especially being in a new place. Yeah, I I made friends with a lot of the amazing other international students, but. Um, the experience with the local French students, they helped me out so much in trying to transition and, you know, uh, gain confidence in my uh, French and, yeah, get used to things. Well, that's not what the stereotype would suggest, especially around French people. Oh, I know. There were there's so many stereotypes about French people, but it ended up being um, so amazing. And everybody was, everybody there, you know, 99% of my interactions with the French were incredible. Everybody was so um, encouraging of my learning experience. You know, anytime I was missing a word, you know, whether I'm in a, you know, a, a cafe up the street and I can't remember what the word for something is. And so I'm asking them and they, they gave me the word or, right. you know, everyone was so supportive. I absolutely love being there. You know, there are a lot of uh, stereotypes. Let's just speak openly about it, about the French being rude people. Mm-hmm. But it's not true. France um, is an amazing country, and Paris is actually the most visited city in the world every year. So they're getting millions of tourists from around the world, and North Americans really fetishize Paris. Yeah. You know, it's the two big cities, you know, that you see in all the movies, TV shows, everywhere in the media are New York and Paris. So every year, millions of North Americans head into Paris, and there is this expect. I've never seen it anywhere else in my life, this um, almost entitlement, this expectation that people will respond to you in English. I see. And so um, anything that I found has been perceived as rudeness from French people is them being more protective of their language and their culture. You know, if you try, if, you know, merci, s'il vous plaît, je suis désolée, you know, little things. And they probably like, appreciate your cute yeah. Canadian accent too, right? <laughs> well, I have, a, I, I have a very thick Québécois accent. <laughs> 
because I did a program called Katimovic right out of high school, right. and I spoke no French beforehand, but my best friend in the program taught me French in nine months, so I could only speak it. I couldn't read it or write it. I was essentially, and a little, um, the joke among my friends was that I had un M Québécoise, a Québécoise soul, <laughs> and that uh, I was an illiterate Québécoise, because I <laughs> essentially was. Now, my French has improved dramatically, and did so through, um, you know, I took some great courses here at the U of A. Yeah, can you talk about, like, what you took in, oh, in France? Yeah. Um, so in France, I took a mix of, um, I took political science and French classes for, taught in French for French students, so that's local French, then taught in French for international students, so a little bit easier to understand. Right. And then uh, political science and English classes taught in, political science and French classes, pardon me, taught in English. And so it was quite a mix, and I really loved it. I had some pretty amazing professors, um, yeah. Obviously, in the French classes, you're submitting work in French, but yeah. in the political science class that was in French, or the yeah. classes that are in French, are you submitting assignments in French as well? Yes, that proved to be quite the challenge. You know, you're reading all the notes in French, you're taking uh, you're taking notes in class in French, you're reading all these academic papers in French, you're submitting your own papers in French. So it's really hard for someone who... Um, I wasn't raised speaking French. I've only been able to speak French for, what, five years now, since 2009, so... Yeah. I'm sure it was quite a challenge at first. It was a huge challenge, and it's still a challenge for me, you know. I've learned to not be so hard on myself about messing up, you know, because everybody makes mistakes. I'm not going to be perfect. Learning a language takes a lifetime, you know. I'm an English student, and I'm still learning things about English. Right. People will say a word, I'm like... I am 22 years, and I have no, no idea. idea what that <laughs> word is, you know? So being more forgiving of yourself and, you know, realizing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm discovering, I'm trying to learn as much as possible, so staying positive was a big part of it. Through both your trips, that seems to be a consistency, hey? Giving yourself an opportunity to learn, allowing yourself to make mistakes, and yeah. building, building your confidence from that. Absolutely, you know, realize, realizing that, you know, there are challenging times, and really embracing how difficult that is. But not being upset with yourself for it, you know, and not getting too down about it. But, you know, like I said, there are those challenging times, but through those challenges, you grow, you learn new things. You know, if I hadn't messed up that word and <laughs> looked like a complete idiot in front of that group of people, I wouldn't have learned what that word meant right. or, you know, how to properly conjugate this, yeah. you know. So, you know, just taking everything in stride and being able to laugh at yourself, really. You have to be able to. Yeah, absolutely. So you had two distinct um, experiences. The first one you were working, the second one you were studying abroad. Mm -hmm. Can you compare and, compare and contrast those experiences? Obviously, France is an incredibly different place in Washington, D.C., but more in depth as to how they've impacted you. Well, I was really developing two different sides of myself. I mean, you know, you're only one being, so, you know, growing and learning as a whole, but really growing... And learning about how I, um, my strengths and weaknesses in a professional sphere, in, in the academic world. Um, and then in France, really, you know, learning more just about the world, hands-on, you know. Living in Lille, I was really lucky because I, it's a, it's a, it's like a port city. So you can go to so many different places. I went to London, I went to Budapest, Prague, Vienna, mm. Barcelona, um, Figueres. You have to because everything's so yeah. close. And Paris, so, you know, just trying to take as much in as possible and fall as madly in love with these countries as possible. So it's really hard to compare the cities, you know, because they're so different. I've learned that traveling abroad, you can't really make comparisons. Just 
dive right in and try to appreciate the cities for what they are, you know? This was a study abroad program. This is offered through the University of Alberta, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. So how would one get in, involved in this? Well, if you go online and check out U of A's Go Abroad programs, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they've done, uh, they have amazing programs around the world. I've loved all of the experiences that I've had with Washington Center and in France. I even went to Cambodia in 2012 um, with yes, Play Around the ago. World. So, you know, it's really just reaching out online. U of A is an amazing school in terms of support. You know, the go ab- whether it's the Go Abroad office, the finance office, <laughs> which I am intimately familiar with, um, or your own faculty, you know, the, um, the Faculty of Arts has been amazing in helping me out and figuring out what will transfer. You know, Go Abroad has been amazing in helping me hook, do everything from, you know, how do I get a plane ticket there to I am here and I don't know what to do. You know, the, we have an incredibly supportive school in that way. So, you know, go online, explore these programs, take advantage of it because, you know, everybody says, you know, I'll travel after school, but you put it off long enough, it won't happen. And we don't have access to as many, we don't have this many things at the, at the tips of our fingers when we leave university, you know, here at the U of A, you have access to, I would say hundreds of amazing programs, internships, travel opportunities, take advantage of what you can see where you fit because university is as much about learning, you know, what you do love and about, as it is about what you don't learning, what you don't love. You know what I mean? So certainly. Yeah. So as I mentioned off the top, we, ha- we don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to mention you are going to be making a presentation at the next gen Edmonton. Um, I am, Pecha Kucha. Pecha Kucha Night on June the 5th. Yeah, in Churchill Square. And you're going to be talking about this experience exactly? or um, I'm, My presentation is titled On Being Small. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be talking about what being a global citizen is and how my international experiences have translated into my perception of... Uh, sorry, what I'm going to be talking about is um, how my international experiences translate into community involvement, you know, okay. and what being a global citizen is and really uh, talking about, you know, how these amazing experiences have really changed me and my, you know, the lens through which I view the world. Certainly. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your story, your Thanks, nine months Olivia. of travel. It was really <laughs> interesting to hear. And I think for a lot of students who maybe are considering these opportunities, but maybe not sure if they can do it or not. Take I think the plunge. It, Take I think the it plunge. was really, uh, really good for them to hear your perspective and how much it's changed you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I, I've been incredibly fortunate in university here at the U of A. We're really, really lucky to have so many amazing, uh, everything from professors to administration to, you know, students union exec lobbying for us to people like you volunteering <laughs> here at CJSR. So, um, yeah, I've been really, really fortunate. There are little pieces of my heart all over the world now, you know, in Cambodia, in France, in the States, here in Edmonton. So Great. thank you for having me. No problem. Okay, so after our formal discussion, Blue and I sat down for a couple minutes. Here is the extended version of the podcast, including that segment. At this school, you know, even the mo- even the moments that I hated at the time, looking back, I'm glad they happened because if you're like I said, you know, you learn the most in those moments. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's and I think that there, it's part of a university degree is understanding, you know, going through the classes and getting the coursework done and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. But it's also picking yourself up in those moments it is when you're the like, moments outside of the classroom, you know, away from the books, away yeah. from drowning in my situation. You know, th- you spend too much time thinking about yourself. You know, how am I going to get to the end of this, the end of that? You know, you know, it's amazing to be able to get some perspective. 
you know, and uh, it's been the moments outside of the classrooms that I've learned the most. 100%. Meet such amazing people. And I think that's, I think that's been consistently said mm-hmm. to me throughout getting more involved in the university is that yeah. this is what it's all about is this kind of stuff back yeah. and forth. Don't, and and... don't feel your education as like... Um, the gateway to work. Yeah. Don't just view it as a tunnel to work. Yeah. Get off. See things, you know, like explore your university, Enjoy invest it. in your university, see yeah. the amazing things that are out there because there's community. University of Alberta is fucking amazing for its students. Yeah. You know, we have amazing groups. Get involved in the PSUA. And there's people that are so passionate. Was Petros yeah. was here and I did the interview with him and it was one of the things that he said was like, look, there's not going to be another time in your life when you're surrounded with so many smart, motivated, yeah. interesting people yeah. and take advantage of it because yeah. they're there. Yeah, I, I've learned as much from my classmates as I have from professors, you know, yeah. whether it's you in my poli-sci class, Jessica in my poli-sci class, you know, she's raising two girls. She brings a perspective totally. to seminars that no one, no else, one else brings, can. you know, yeah. it's the same thing studying abroad. I learn as much from, you know, trying to navigate um, one of the biggest markets in Western Europe <laughs> on Sunday morning when there are thousands of people yelling, bargaining, you know, fish over here, beans yeah, over yeah, here, yeah, yeah. buy pants over here, buy your spices for me. I learned as much from that moment as I do from... You know, the kid in my poli-sci seminar who thinks completely different from everyone else in the yeah. room. You know what I mean? So it's just realizing that we are so lucky to have these opportunities at our fingertips here. And it, this is well, a great it's, school. It's that's part of why I wanted to get involved. They started the podcast and wanted, you know, people like you to come on. Because it's it's really, it really, there are so many opportunities out yeah. there. And I see so many, you know, I was think, talking, thinking about my little cousin who's in her, she's going into her third year. And she's a little bit like me where... She wasn't too involved at the beginning, and then it started to work mm-hmm. up more and more. But it's it. She feels like it's hard to get involved, and I'm just like, it's not. You just have to know where to look, or you have to hear about things, and yeah. you have to eventually. You just have to because take the, the job and plunge, here right? Have open arms. It's amazing. It's not a closed off university. No, and I feel like that was the one thing for me is I was really nervous going to the PSUA, and I've made some great friends in the last year just from them, and then uh, through that experience, yeah. and through Mason Smith, and through you know our social nights at Hudson's or whatever, more people and more interesting, yeah. and then. You know, when you get involved in student elections or doing stuff here at CJSR and you're meeting new people that way, like yeah. people and people there, you're right. They're open arms. They want you to come and help out yeah. and they want you to I, be a I part of their group. I love the U of A. Honestly, studying abroad makes me love this university just because like. Ugh. It's just an opportunity that yeah. was only possible because of it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, this is all going on there. Just like.